Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Sonic Collective. I am Alan, and I'm here with Darren Scott, Scott Coates, and Scott Gregory, as always. It is the end of March 2022, and it was my turn to pick the album we're reviewing as part of our series of soul exploration. And if you tuned into the episode previously where I picked this one, you would know that we are reviewing Dap Dippin' with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Sorry, there's a lot of daps. Dap Dippin' with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Um, I will weigh in on it at the end, but I want to throw it right over to, let's see, Scott Gregory. What did you think of this album? Yeah, it was an interesting pick, the uh, entire album. It has this jazzy, jivey vibe to it. It's uh, definitely pushing the up-tempo side of soul uh, and really takes you back to the, the 60s and the 70s, uh, which is amazing considering how contemporary of an, an album it is. Uh, I feel like Aretha Franklin and James Brown got together and made an album when I'm listening to this. And, and it just, the band on the back end really contributes to a real strong jazz improvisation streak that goes right through it uh and you know i've spoken ill of jazz in the past all right aaron but here it actually appeals to me so it just really all seems to come together in this fun toe tapping collection of songs uh and and that's important as far as its status as an album goes i really consider it more uh, of a collection of songs as opposed to a feel of a real consolidated album that's got a narrative a flow through it i think that's where some of its challenges are of the 11 tracks uh only two or three really stood out for me they just seemed to blend into each other uh and the lyrics weren't really a distinguishing factor for the most part either you know they were there it wasn't a deep dive into you know societal issues or anything like that uh but i don't think it was trying to be and i can uh enjoy it for that Uh, If I was playing this in the background, doing other things, you know, or if it was a nice summer day and the band was playing a festival, you know, or I had a company party going, uh, this wouldn't be an issue at all. You just have people dancing and having fun. But to just sit in a chair and listen to to all these tracks back to back, uh, I don't know. It wouldn't be for me long term. But... You know, in its defense, where I'd usually say that I'd only rate an album for three or four singles uh, and maybe an odd track apart from that, uh, I'd pull this entire album into a playlist. Uh, It's strong like that. There's lots of energy and it's just solid musicianship all the way through. So there's no reason to, to pick some of these over the others. But if I was, I'd say my favorite on the entire album was the slower track, Make It Good To Me. Uh, it really features the organ. It gets pulled forward and it just gives it a bit more of a gospel feel that really, really, you know, feels that out for me. Uh, reminds me of some of my favorite Blue Rodeo songs, actually. The same, similar type of uh, organ and just screams depth and emotion on the instrument side. Uh, and it doesn't do it in a way that overshadows the singers or any of the other instruments. So, yeah, the world needs more soulful organ. And this shows you that. Uh, Cut That Line also has a little bit of an organ line through it, but more up-tempo. It's even got a solo in there, which isn't, you know, very common these days for organs anymore, and that did appeal to me, too. Uh, So, yeah. On that note, I think this band 
in the back, you know, behind uh, Sharon is great. It deserves some attention. I'm really glad that they included Casella Walk at the end as the final track because uh, it, it's got a great sound to it. It screams opening credits of a 70s movie, uh, some charger or a caddy driving through an urban landscape. It's just so perfect that way. Yeah, overall, I enjoyed the album. Again, lots of energy. Sharon Jones has a beautiful voice built for this genre, uh, and the band is tight. If someone thinks soul is just big ballads with crooning singers, they should definitely listen to this album to dispel that notion. There's no complaints from me on this pick, other than, I guess, that one I made. What about you, Darren? Me? Yeah, um, I, I really love this album. I, I had heard of her before. I, I don't own any of her albums, but... It's always been on my radar for a while. She does a, a, a remake of the Allman Brothers, um, uh, Midnight Rider, that uh, is on a playlist that I listen to often. It's really well done if you listen to it. It's from one of her uh, later albums. But yeah, uh, Sharon Jones. Uh, so yeah, she she got into this late. She was 40 when they finally released the first album. But to just back it up quickly uh, about how this all kind of happened, there was uh, two men that kind of started uh, their own little Desco Records, and it was kind of an engineer, and they were both musicians. And that was uh, Bosco Mann, whose real name is Gabriel Roth, and Philip Lehman. Uh, they were called the Soul Providers. Uh, then they started to do some production, and it was actually, they met Sharon Jones while they were kind of working on a Lee Fields uh, song, and she sang backup. So uh, they caught it, and they're like, wow, that, that woman can sing. And so they started to kind of give her some uh, songs. And the first song they even gave her was written for a man's voice. Uh, and then she just came in and just killed it. And they realized they had this uh, a great uh great kind of soul singer on their hands and they love that retro vibe so if you go back to if you remember the movie the commitments in the late 90s it was kind of a, a resurgence of old kind of blues and, and and soul so that was coming back and that kind of extended into the late 90s early 2000s and there was this kind of a revivalist movement that it was 60s 70s funk coming up so they started to uh produce all these songs so that was bosco man he actually wrote all these songs so he's a a white guy but uh had <laughs> was a big fan of the genre and started to write all the songs uh and they brought in uh sharon jones actually him and layman split he started daptone records uh and then they they formed this band uh the daptones and then get her and then they get this residency over in barcelona spain or Barcelona. I don't know. Is that really how you say it? Is that a true thing? I have no idea if that's true. I've, I've, I hear some nods, but uh, here's some nods. That's interesting how that works too. Um, anyway, they go over there and they do this residency in the the boite, which uh, uh, boite in French is box. So I wonder if in Spanish it means the box. I have no idea, but um, they do it there. While they're there, they're like, okay, let's just record over a couple of nights. They record some of the sessions. They put out this album only to promote that club. And they think, ah, oh, they'll press a few hundred, sell it at the door when people leave. They're going to make Make, you know 20 bucks a night that's how they started but uh that sound became so popular uh again and people just loved it and she was a fan of james brown uh her mom she was actually born in augusta georgia so that's where james brown is from from and her mom actually knew james brown so i don't think they knew well but like their family was heavily influenced so i guess her brothers and sisters would be like dancing and imitating and dancing around so uh, I, I found that super interesting another thing i found interesting too is after they kind of released that album, or even before, they did a few 45s. But actually, before this album, there was a few 45s. And 
uh, they on purpose didn't put the date on it and made it look retro. So when people found these, they thought they were finding old soul records. And they're like, oh, who is this Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings? Like, it just sounds like they purposely deceive people to uh, get discovered as this awesome kind of 60, 70 soul band. So I thought that was pretty uh, awesome. I, I really liked it. I mean, the the second track, there's an introduction and got a thing on my mind. It just like hits James Brown like so well and it's so fun. And I love I love my funk and James Brown. Um, yeah, it's just, just awesome. Um, I can get into a bit more later, but I mean, I just, I, I really love, had a lot of fun. So I'd rather hear what the rest of you think and then I can summarize at the end. So Scott Coates, let's, uh, what do you think? Thanks, Darren. I'm pretty much on the same boat as the other Scott. So I guess 100% of Scots in this group here think the same way. I, I just still can't believe this came out in 2002, right? And I like the background you just shared there. This took me kind of back in a way to when I first learned that Amy Winehouse wasn't black and it was a new album. Because when I first heard Amy Winehouse, I thought, oh, this is something from the 60s. And as I was listening to this, I, I just kept thinking, wow, this is so very 60s and I'm wondering why somebody not because it's a bad idea but just decides hey we're going to record a style and a sound 40 years ago I think it sounds incredible the intro I really love the intro how the guy talks her in it herk it harkens to that early James Brown era with the big intro really really liked it I liked to he said a certain je ne sais quoi I mean that was really cool then the second track got a thing on my mind. That was a lot of fun. And the very beginning of it, I feel like I heard that in Oceans, like Oceans 11 movie or something. The very beginning of that intro just sounds like it fits right in there. Um, dap Dip, love the intro. I like when he says, it's the Dap Dip and they say you get it in your pants. I mean, I, at first I thought, which road is this going down? So I like the entire album. It's, it's a ton of fun. You know, I had it in the background while working, while cooking a meal one time. But kind of like Scott Gregory said, I found it sounded pretty much the same track to track. There was no lyrics popping out there, which is absolutely fine. But it's not like a particular track's going to get in any of my playlists because it's just sort of all the same. I would say the only difference here is Make It Good to me stood out as it's a nice ballad. It just the pace really changed, I think, mid-album. So that one I kind of went, oh, the sound is different now. But yeah, I've said it a few times. I can't believe it's not from the 60s. I think it's pretty damn cool. I'm going to check out some of their other albums because I like this kind of sound. And I just kept picturing James Brown dancing right next to her. So a lot of fun. Never heard of this band before. So it was a really interesting, enjoyable pick. Thanks, Alan. And over to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, hearing the three of you kind of give your takes on this album it's almost like you were looking over my shoulder reading my notes. I think we're all on the same page here. Uh, you know, again, like for me as well, like how is this thing only 20 years old? You know, the this whole revivalist soul genre is pretty cool. They do a really good job of, of recreating and capturing the magic from, you know, I guess the 60s or whenever, whatever era this, this kind of harkens back to. Uh, they did a great job there. Um, there's a lot going on musically on every track of this album. I mean, you've got Sharon Jones's voice, which is obviously the focal, um, and it comes across as really crisp and powerful. Uh, but, you know, the bass player is constantly grooving up and down the musical scale. The guitars are doing their best porno music impression. You've got the brass section adding a jazzy flavor to it, and the percussionists are holding it all together. It's like a symphonic shit mix. Um, 
sounds like there's an organ or a synth in there too, uh, as Scott mentioned as well. Um, you're right, kind of does sound like some of the Blue Rodeo tunes now that I think about it. So yeah, there's a lot going on musically in this album, but it all just works and it works, I think, really well. Um, in general, the album's nice and short, comes in at around 37 minutes and you know, that's something we often mention on the podcast. Like we, we kind of prefer our albums in or around the 45 minute mark. So um, yeah, and I think actually 37 minutes is just long enough for this album because like a couple of the other guys mentioned, it does sort of sound repetitive, like from one track to the next. And if I had one criticism, I think that would be it. Um, you know, it, some of the songs just start to sound the same to my ears. And if you don't like the tone of this album, that could be a real problem for you. Uh, was less of a problem for me because I kind of like the funky, soulful sound. But, you know, I do concede I, if if I took all 11 tracks and threw it into a larger playlist with, you know, other other artists and then kind of randomized it, I would probably prefer listening to this more. Um, you know, generally the whole album is up tempo, which is something I tend to enjoy a lot in the music I listen to. So yeah, overall, just a really good, uh, solid album. There were a couple of standout tracks for me. I really liked what have you done for me lately? Um, got to be the way it is, pick it up, lay it in the cut and it ain't hard. Those were kind of the standouts for me. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, one of the guys mentioned if you're in a pickle for a party music or whatever this is kind of a good one to throw on i don't think you have to look too too much further from this album i think it'll have a lot of people dancing and as scott gregory mentioned lyrically there's not a whole lot going on in, in terms of messaging so um you don't have to worry about you know <laughs> things not being the right tone for for the party or whatever it's just kind of a fun time all around so yeah, seems like we're all on the same page here. So why don't we uh, get into the scores? Yeah, I guess that loops back through to me then. Um, influence, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a bit of a jazz vibe that flies through, and uh, it's not really my bag that much, but I did enjoy the the throwback to some of the, the soul and the, the 70s music that my mom would put on when I was a kid. So influence, I'll put it at a three. Uh, recommend I'll put it a four, you know, like they, they cut this album when they were in a residency at a club and it's obviously something that was meant to be performed and to be enjoyed and to be danced around to. And I think it does that really well. Uh, and I'll come in overall at a 3.5. I think it's a nice solid album. Someone should pick it up and give it a listen at some point. I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. I'll jump in here. Thanks. It's Darren. Um, uh, it, when you said, what have you done for me lately? It's interesting. That's a Janet Jackson uh, remake, obviously, for those that know it. And uh, I think a lot of people listen to that album and they go, oh, Janet Jackson, it's a cover. They probably think Janet Jackson covered it because this seems so old. But actually, it's the reverse. Um, and we should point out, nobody mentioned it, but Sharon Jones did die of pancreatic cancer in 2016. She was first diagnosed in, uh, I think, November of 13, and then died in November of 16. She bought it. Uh, there's a great documentary. It's on, if you're in Canada or U.S., I think it's on HBO Crave. Uh, and uh, it's called This is Sharon Jones, I believe, or it could be on Prime, one of them anyway. Uh, good documentary. Kind of follows her later years when she has cancer and she's trying to make a comeback. But uh, worth, worth the watch, worth the watch. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, this is 
fun. Uh, it's funky. And I think it's timeless. And it proves it's timeless because here it is, uh, basically a 60s album out in, in the 2000s. And it and she, this was her first album. She did, I think, eight um, that up until, the, uh, until she passed away, basically, for 20 years. Um, and again, I, I don't know if people mention it. She actually was a Rikers Island correctional uh, institution guard as well. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, she didn't start to record until she was 40. So uh, late in life. So interesting story. Uh, anyway, uh, also always awesome with delicious legal cannabis. I just tried a new one uh, from the Green Organic Dutchman uh, producer, and it's organic sh- uh, sugar bush. Oh, man, is it good? It's like super just perfect. Smokes super well. It's awesome. Um, anyway, scores. Um, you know, influence. It's the only one I'm really going to knock a little bit. I'm going to give it 3.5 because even though I love it and the, the sound is influential, they, they, they are derivative. It is a, They're basically a derivative band, and they just do it really, really well. So I'm not slagging them, but 3.5. Uh, recommend, I, I'll get to give it a four. I think, you know, soul funk, that old sound is still pretty timeless. And unless you're really anti that kind of stuff, you're, you're going to love it. Uh, and then I'm going to come in overall at a four and, uh, yeah, great album. Great pick, Alan. Uh, yeah, good job. So on to, uh, Scott. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, this one loved it a lot. Influence. So I'm only going to give it a one just because I've listened to a lot of soul and James Brown and stuff in my life. So this doesn't send me down any new genre rabbit hole really i'm excited that they have more albums than just this one so i'm going to listen to more of them but i can only give influence a one recommend i'll give it a four because i just think it yeah whether you're trying to get into 60 soul or hear a new take on it it's solid it's really worth a listen and overall i'll give it a four a lot of fun enjoyed it and i would spin it again while cooking or working or something like that over to you al cool yeah, um, I'm going to give a big shout-out and a thank you to my friend Brian for recommending this album to me. Uh, he's kind of got his ear to the street on a lot of music, and when I told him that we were doing this soul theme, I was like, dude, I this is out of my wheelhouse, man. Give me some give me some recommendations. And he shot me like a list of probably 10 different artists that I kind of went through, and Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings was by far the winner for me in terms of like just you know, scanning for what I think I might appreciate listening to for a whole month. So thanks, Brian. Good pick. Um, I would strongly recommend this album if you are into soul or if you are into partying at all or looking for, you know, music to just throw on for any old reason, like uh, Scott Coates mentioned, you know, listening to it while working or cooking or whatever. This would be really good background music, but it's also just really fun. You could drive to it. You could dance to it. It's it's super cool. And I think for that versatility, I'm giving it a four and a half. Uh, as far as influencing my taste, I'm giving it a, a 3.5. I do want to explore what other uh, albums Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings have put out. As, uh, as Darren mentioned here, this was their debut album. So there's a lot more content to dive into. And I think there's this whole movement of the... Uh, the revivalist soul that I kind of want to check out now. So um, yeah, three and a half for my influence there. And overall, I'm going to give it a solid four. I think this was a really fun album. Uh, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. And yeah, yeah, just a good one. That's great, man. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I think that's, uh, that's it for this month. And up next is Scott Gregory with our pick for April. Do you have anything to say to that, sir? 
Sure. Um, going last, I usually try and fill in a hole if I see any in uh, the genres or the themes that we've done in this time. Uh, I'm going to take us back to the 70s and we're going to explore what's called Blue-Eyed Soul uh, with a band. Is that, co- not a band. Is that like Cotton Eye Joe? Cotton Eye Joe. That's exactly what I'm picking. It's Cotton Eye Joe. By I don't know which idiot sang that anymore, <laughs> but no, actually Scott in 2016 was considering picking a, a Van Morrison album. Uh, I picked a, a different one. Uh, I'm going with Saint Dominic's Preview, which is a more soulful, blue-eyed soul album from Van Morrison. So, oh wow, that's our month. Cool. Thank God I thought you were going to pick Michael Bolton because you picked a Celine Dion album before. <laughs> and I was like, he's going to pick Michael Bolton. I can feel No, it. No revenge required in this cycle. So <laughs> you're safe. Nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Van Morrison's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll close this out here. So uh, once again, I want to thank you for tuning into the Sonic Collective. Check back uh, pretty quickly here, I guess, for more in-depth exploration of Scott's pick as that's what we will be listening to in April. But until next time, this is Alan for the Sonic Collective signing out. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.